Welcome to Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. I'm Jim Dubois. Women and people of color are historically underrepresented in the sciences, technology, engineering, and math, the so-called STEM professions. A University of Minnesota partnership with the St. Paul Middle School is aiming to help address that disparity. Two U of M professors and a group of undergraduates are mentoring students at Murray Middle School, which is located near the U's St. Paul campus. The class is titled Stepping into the Gap, Understanding the Challenges of Supporting Diversity in STEM. It's part of the university's Grand Challenges curriculum, which is a multidisciplinary approach to introduce students to complex issues that impact the world community. This week on Dialogue Minnesota, we have a conversation with Cheryl Ullman, an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Minnesota, and Keisha Varma, an associate professor in the Department of Educational Psychology and the associate vice provost for equity and diversity at the University of Minnesota. They are co-teaching the course at Murray Middle School. We'll also chat with U of M and Murray students who are participating in the class. We spoke with the professors and students in a Murray Science classroom. Professor Varma, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you for having me. Professor Ullman, welcome to Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you so much. The University and Murray have partnered to create a space where U of M students can help Murray students with science fair projects. How did the partnership form between the U and Murray? I think it's me, but that feels a little weird to say. Once I got tenure, I picked up my head and I looked around and I thought, what should I be doing in the world around me? And right next to my house is the school. And so I started volunteering here. And then I just started trying to figure out how to create a space where the skills I felt I could bring to the situation could be useful. And I discovered that I absolutely adore middle school students. I don't know why. I love where they're at in their development. And I really wanted to share the excitement of this moment with other people at the University of Minnesota. So I started finding ways to build this back and forth dialogue to grow together. Well, I think it was more of a grassroots effort from Cheryl wanting to have an impact and a role in her community. So she wanted to do that. And then also seeing this need at the university for our undergraduate students to have opportunities to engage in community-based activities that around their scholarship and around their experience as undergraduate students. So what's really nice about it is that Cheryl didn't come to the school and say, here's what we'd like to do with you. Instead, she came and said, I want to help. And they said, here's what we need, and here's how we see a partnership forming. And then they both kind of had... Uh, back-and-forth dialogue about what would be best for both entities, and this was created that way. Our listeners are probably familiar with the acronym STEM, S-T-E-M, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. You call this project a STEAM initiative. What does the A stand for? You know, it's an aspirational A. It stands for arts. And so one of the ideas is that you don't want to pigeonhole people as either left-brained or right-brained or either scientific or artistic, and you want to invite people to combine skill sets. And so we called it STEAM to keep ourselves mindful of the opportunities for artistic and creative expression when you're doing science. I am quite limited in my artistic and creative expression ability, so I really rely on the students in my class to bring those forward, and sometimes we do better than others. 
also, we had students last year who were doing projects that involved dance and things beyond just the, the typical science fair content. So that A was a big part of it, the arts. Professor Ullman, why did you decide to collaborate on this course, and what got you interested in looking at the issue of diversity in STEAM education? Yeah, a two-part question. So the first part, sometimes institutional requirements are an annoyance, and sometimes institutional requirements are great. And in this case, it was a great requirement of the institution. If you're going to teach a grand challenges class, you need faculty engaged from two different departments. So I had been exploring opportunities at Murray. I had started piloting this idea of teaching, running an after-school program with this mixture of students. But to turn it into a proper class, I needed the support of grand challenges, which I could say not enough times has been amazing uh, in making this happen. But to teach a Grand Challenges class, you need faculty from two different departments. So my colleagues recommended Keisha. We got along great from the start, and the, the way that our skill sets complement each other it has been magical at times. So it was really out of the necessity of a university requirement that I happened to reach out and meet this woman with amazing skills in middle school science cognition, like exactly what I knew nothing about. My research is... Uh, visual perception in adults and I know nothing literally about middle school cognition in science and that's Keisha's expertise and so I met a person that's really easy to work with and has expertise in the field I needed and we started doing this. Well we met through a mutual colleague friend and we were both interested in community engaged practices, community-engaged research, community-engaged education experiences for undergraduate students, because I was designing a course that had similar attributes. And then when we heard about the Grand Challenges Initiative, then we just brainstormed about what would be a challenge that we could tackle in a class together, because we both wanted um, these experiences for undergrads, and we, we had a passion about working with not just uh, students, but in particular, we both connected on middle school students as a population. Tell us about the U of M students who are serving as mentors for Murray students. What are their academic backgrounds? So the students in my class, there's no reason they should come from any one background or the other. It's, a, it's everybody at the university could take this class. It is a quirk of our university system that students who are in the honors program and students who are in the College of Biological Sciences are more likely to be able to meet their distribution requirements by taking a Grand Challenges class. So a lot of the students in our class are either from CBS, Biological Sciences, or from the Honors Program. So both of those groups of students are very high achieving groups of students who have very strong academic backgrounds. They are often very surprised to then step into a city middle school and start working in an environment that they really didn't experience themselves as students coming up through their academic systems. But that's not universally true. We have some international students take the classes. We have students from a range of backgrounds. It becomes a really delightful mixture of backgrounds and experiences and the dialogue that happens and the surprises that people have as they discover similarities where they didn't expect them to exist and then differences where they didn't expect them to exist. Cheryl Ullman is an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Minnesota. Keisha Varma is an associate professor in education psychology and the associate vice provost for equity and diversity at the University of Minnesota. Together they are teaching a grand challenge curriculum titled Stepping into the Gap, Understanding the Challenges of Supporting Diversity in STEM. 
when is it easy for middle schoolers and the youth students to relate to each other, and when is it difficult? There's some times that I just feel really old in this classroom. Um, and I, I, it's not usually me. I'm, I'm 46, but I, I tend to look younger than I am, and my body is not yet limiting me from the things that I want to do, and so I, I think of myself as being young until I walk into this classroom and I watch just how much more my university students understand about current cultural events and the cultural environment that middle schoolers are experiencing. And so there's these points of natural reference over things, like I learned about TikTok this year and that marks me as being somewhat old. So the closer match in age makes it really quite natural. Sometimes it's hard for our mentors to remember what it's like to be in middle school. Some of our mentors were supported academically from the very beginning of their lives, and they always knew that they wanted to succeed in academics. And not every middle school student sees academic pursuits as anything they want to be a part of their lives. And so some of my university students need to take some time to learn that they can't assume that just because you're in a school means that you want to do school things. But over the course of the semester, we get that. And my older students get better at realizing that everything we do in the classroom has to have a reason and some kind of a connection to the real world. So I'll start with when it is easy. It's so natural for them, much more natural than it is for us, Cheryl and I. Um, They connect right away over, of course, pop culture, but also the undergraduates very quickly remember what it was like to be a middle schooler. Um, Before they came to the school setting, we asked them why they were in the course and what they hoped to get out of it. And the undergrads in this class are all STEM majors. And many of them said, we want to remember what made us excited about STEM. And so they come here wanting to um, get something from their relationship with the middle school students. And I think being open to that it comes through in their their presence here, and the middle schoolers respond to that right away. So they connect very quickly. Um, what's difficult about the connection or forming the connection? I would bet that it's discipline. If there's any kind of uh, discipline issue, I think that's hard for them to get around. What is one source of disparity in STEAM education that your class has focused on? Yeah, there are so many. And a lot of the disparities that we learn about, talk about, wonder about, they're hardly even unique to STEM education. You know, there's institutionalized racial biases that students experience. There's limited access to resources that that students experience. And that has nothing to do with STEM education. Our students in the class have to do a project. Once they get into this environment, they start looking around and they start experiencing firsthand what's going on. They have to pick a topic that they've observed, that they care about. And the three that they picked this year were lack of representation amongst the teaching staff. And so one of the problems that Minnesota is confronting more and more is that the teaching staff is dominated by teachers from Caucasian European backgrounds. And when a student looks up for role models, they often want to look up for somebody who looks like they have a background similar to them. And and you don't find that very often in the teaching staff. So that was one of the topics that my students focused on. And there, there are many efforts afoot to figure out what are the barriers to participating in a, in a teaching career, in an education career. And like, why are we 
don't we have diversity in our teaching staff? Um, and one of the reasons is it takes resources to commit to a teacher education because you, you have to volunteer for a certain number of hours before you can get your teaching license. And not everybody has time to just volunteer for hours to develop their career. Another topic my students picked was tracking. And that's a really tough topic for a lot of people that I can only scratch the surface of. But in order to be able to support the science fair, the, the teachers at Murray have, have tracked their science classes. And there's an advanced track for students who have already shown a commitment to academic accomplishment. And there's uh, a track for students who have not yet shown a commitment to academic accomplishment. And that tiering system offers opportunities to students in the top tier that they wouldn't otherwise have. But it limits the opportunities for the students who didn't get picked to succeed already, right? And so tracking is a tough question. And so that's another one that my students identified. The teachers here do it for good reasons, and they also have some really neat programs in place to try to um, mitigate the negative impacts of tracking. Um, the lead science teacher here has created a extra on-ramp. Like, if you didn't get tracked into advanced science in seventh grade, you have another chance to try in eighth grade, so you don't get locked into a negative feedback cycle too early just because of choices you made when you were in sixth grade that were beyond your control. Um, so... This year, those are the topics that we wrestled with the most. I mean, traditionally, it's white males. Um, that's what we hear time and time again. That's what we see not only in the professional STEM or STEAM fields, but also, you know, trickling down to um, undergraduate populations. But what we're finding in this class is we're getting, and you can see looking around, we're getting um, a really nice diverse population of STEM students. And I wonder if having these kinds of experiences at the university will bring in more diverse undergrads to think about STEM and um, consider the role that they can play for uh, middle schoolers or K-12 students and their interest in STEM as well. So, Why did you choose the Science Fair project as a point of connection between the U of M students and the Murray students? I picked it because it was kind of obvious and because the teachers asked us to. It's, it's this big project that are given to kids, but with, they don't have enough, they can't dedicate classroom time to it a lot to support the kids doing science fair projects. So it relies on support from outside the classroom, which can come from home, but not every home can, like, I grew up in a family where, like, that was how I got attention from my father, because I did a science fair project, and he would stay up late with me, my mom would send him out to get fast food at 11 o'clock at night, it was this huge treat, because I never had my stuff done in time, so I experienced, like, home interactions around science that were, like, rewarding to me, but that's not a normal experience. Um, and so the Science Fair Project, a normal experience with the Science Fair Project is that it's this big, scary thing you've never done before and you don't have many people to talk to about it who have a lot of experience with it and the teachers don't have enough time to help every single student at the level of help they need. So they said, hey, if the University of Minnesota wants to send some resources on over, we could certainly use support with Science Fair. And it also is an opportunity for students to pick something that they want to pursue. They have to pick a topic. They're not given a topic. Anything's fair game. And so that opportunity for individual expression is um, a bonus. What types of projects have the students been creating for the science fair? I love um, the things that kids come up with for doing science fair projects. So on Tuesday, I was starting a uh, worm farm. So we now have red wiggler worms composting three different kinds of leaves to find out which ones feed the worms the best. Um, we have a magnetic breaking project going on, dropping magnets down like different gauges of aluminum tubing to see um, 
whether the eddy currents in fat or skinny walled tubes are better. Um, a lot of a lot of taste tests, a lot of memory tests, a lot of exercise tests. Um, we're burning candles to see which kind of wax burns faster and better. Um, there isn't. I've, I've judged projects on what kind of oil or versus butter fries eggs faster. Um, it's all fair game. Anything in your life you've wondered about shows up as a science fair project. It's really nice that we have resources that they might not typically have um, in their typical science, middle school science class. So they have done things like looking at the number of times butterflies flap their wings based on different types of music. Um, there was a physics project with basketballs and soccer balls. Um, there was a crickets project. I don't even remember the... I just remember the, us trying to keep the crickets alive in the cold, but um, just having those resources were, was important. And then they also come and do some very sophisticated um, science projects. So the students, are, the middle school students, are so excited to partner with the undergrads because they think they can do more involved, more complex science because they have someone in their mind who's kind of a mini scientist. Um, so it's even though they're these fun topics, they're doing, they, they have the science content um, highlighted. What do you hope the science fair projects will achieve? Do you hope to see better grades in science, higher test scores, or simply a stronger interest in STEAM subjects from the Murray students? My goal is just for people to enjoy and care. I don't care. And, you know, grades and test scores aren't necessarily a good predictor of long-term success anyway. And so I, I feel like that justifies me in really not caring about what the grades are, the scores are. I don't care if somebody wins or loses the science fair. I just want them to enjoy it. And then the reason we're doing this in the context of the mentoring program is, is that they discover that science is a chance to build relationships with other people and have really interesting conversations about the things that you care about with other people. Because there's a lot of assumptions that science is an a social field and that women don't do science because we're more socially oriented. A, not all of us are more socially oriented. And B, science is really a social endeavor fundamentally. And so this gives us a chance to demonstrate that and help students understand that a scientific career is not an isolating egghead thing that's no fun, but it's actually a chance to have a lot of neat conversations with neat people. I hope that it's a stronger interest, but also very um, locally and immediately pride in something that they create. So I remember many students kind of at the stage where they are now, um, they're getting their data and they're pulling everything together, but then by the time they create their poster for the science fair, they're so proud of it and it represents not only the work that they've done as a student, but the partnership they have with their undergraduate mentor. And I think that that um, is stronger than just more science content or being successful at the fair. It's, it's just a pride and project that they've done with a mentor. Tell us about the support you receive for this program from the Murray administration and staff. They are amazing. So well, I don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm a, I'm a physicist who turned into a neuroscientist who, who looked at this middle school and was like, hey, I want to do science with these kids because I like where they're at in learning things. So I didn't know anything about um, youth program quality assessment or um, how to structure an environment in a way that's going to support learning. And Because and, you can do this wrong. You can, you can run an after-school program that is not of high quality and you can actually do have a negative long-term impact on a student's orientation toward academics. If we ran the wrong kind of a space, students would leave it thinking they want to have nothing to do with science for the rest of their lives. Um, 
and I've, everything I've learned about that has come from Keisha and from the administration and the staff, and, and specifically Carrie Gonzalez, who's the site coordinator out here. She is amazing, um, and just has patiently just showed me one thing at a time that I can add to what I'm doing in order to create a space that is the right kind of space for what we're doing. I think it was the teachers that had a lot to um, say about that because they need help. They know their students need help with it. It's such a big project and it's overwhelming for many students and families. So the um, teachers know that this is a big part of their curriculum. They want their students to have a more successful experience and we just fit right in with, with supporting them with that. The U students are assisting the middle schoolers with their projects and helping them to grasp science concepts. But learning's a two-way street. What are the U students gaining from their experiences in this course? Well, I think they're definitely remembering what made them excited about STEM. Um, they're reconsidering how, as they move through their undergraduate education and move on to their professional careers, how are they going to be giving back to their community? And that makes them... Um, excited in a different way about their undergraduate education and what happens next, I think. So I think they're learning more ways to be engaged in the world around them. Keisha Varma is an associate professor in education psychology and the associate vice provost for equity and diversity at the University of Minnesota. Professor Varma, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Thanks again for having me. Cheryl Ullman is an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Minnesota. Cheryl, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. It is my pleasure. Thank you. We spoke with the University of Minnesota undergraduate who is a student in the course. She tells us why she chose to take the course this fall semester. My name's Emma Drew. I'm a biochemistry major. Last semester, kind of when you're looking for classes to get involved in. I um, go through the university's program to like make sure that I'm getting all my requirements um, and specifically for the College of Biological Sciences. This class counts for a major elective as well as other grand challenge courses. So I kind of chose this class based on the fact that I wanted to take a grand challenge course um, and then it also took away one of those requirements. And the reason I took this class specifically was reading through all of like the bios of every single class. This one seemed the most interesting and the fact that like you actually get to come to a middle school and see the impact you're making and kind of like make a direct impact was kind of something that I found interesting about this class specifically. Oscar is a Murray Middle School student who says he's enjoying working with the U of M professors and their students on the Science Fair project. I guess it was pretty nice to have like just a class to work on your science fair since like you don't really have to do do it at home or here's a class that just all you can do is your science fair project you don't have to do it at home. Do you enjoy working with the university students? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been fun and funny. We play all these weird games, <laughs> such as we play this game. It was like telephone, but we had to act it out. Okay. Like what the thing was. All right. That sounds like it took some creativity. Yeah. But, yeah. Any thoughts on a future at this point, Oscar? What you might want to do um, going forward? Mm, well, so I really like football. Maybe I could try and be good in college and be in the NFL. But if that doesn't work out, then uh, I guess maybe an engineer of some sort. That's Murray Middle School student Oscar. Dialogue Minnesota. Conversations about the issues that matter to you. 
The state of Minnesota has established water quality guidelines to protect our environment. Agriculture can play a key role in protecting the state's lakes, rivers, and streams. The University of Minnesota's Forever Green Initiative is tasked with developing new crops that can be profitable for farmers and ensure that water quality goals are reached. On the next Dialogue Minnesota, University of Minnesota Professor of Agronomy and Plant Genetics Nicholas Jordan discusses the Forever Green Initiative and how it will benefit the agricultural industry and protect the environment. Be sure to visit us online at DialogueMinnesota.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I'm Jim Dubois. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening.